Well, hallelujah. That was electrifying. That was powerful. Amen. Thank you, Mike and Bill. Bless the Lord. Aren't we blessed here at Calvary? God is so good. The obedience of the Son. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Someone asked me some time ago to describe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as one God. And there's a very simplistic way to do it. A triangle is one triangle, but it has three sides. A side, B side, and C side. A side is part of the triangle, but it is not side B or C. B side is part of the triangle, but it is not A or C. C side is part of the triangle, but it is neither A nor B. God the Father is God, but he is not the Son and he is not the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God, but he is not the Father and he not, is not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God, but he is not the Father, nor is he the Son. But they are one God. And yet, for the redemption of mankind, God set in order two eternal principles. The first principle is authority, which is represented in God the Father. That's why he is called the Father. The second principle is obedience, which is fulfilled and completed and originated in Jesus Christ the Son. So this morning I would like to illustrate before you and to your mind and your soul about the obedience of the Son. And when Jesus said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he illustrated throughout his life and his death on the cross, his obedience to the call of the Father. And when Jesus says, follow me, he means follow me in the process that was required in order to obey the Father. Philippians chapter two, verse five through 11 says these words. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 through 9 says it this way. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. 
Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, verse number nine, where it says, and having been perfected does not mean that Christ was imperfect, but what it means, he has perfected the will of God in his life. He has completed the will of God in his life through obedience. Fulfilling the perfect will of God in his life required the death on the cross, and it was not complete or perfected until he accomplished that calling to die on the cross for our sins. I suppose of all of the disciplines that we as Christians find the most difficult to accomplish, it is the notion of obedience. It is so difficult to be obedient. Because you see, when we really want to do something, the last thing we ever want to hear is the word obey. That's why in horses, they put a bit in a horse's mouth. He doesn't gee or he doesn't haw. He doesn't halt just because he listens to his owner all the time. And even if a horse is well-trained, they still keep that bit there because on occasion, that horse wants to do something that only he wants to do. But a bit will keep him in control. That's why they put a ring in a pig's snout. It all has to do with obedience. Just tell a child in your home or a grandchild. Now there is a jar of cookies on the countertop. Do not touch those cookies. I'm going in the other room and you go in the other room. It will not be very long till that little tot has pulled a chair over to that countertop, has got into those cookies and will come out with an innocent face, but he has chocolate crumbs all over his mouth and hands. Obedience. Jesus Christ began obedience. He is the creator, the founder of obedience. Let's just be first clear about something. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the living word. In the beginning, nothing was made without the word. Everything that is and now is was created by the word, which is Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning. He was with God the Father in the beginning. The Bible even says that in the mind of God, Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world. Everything was made, was made by the will of the Father by the word. And another thing we can say is the glory of the Father is also the glory of Jesus Christ. Only in person is there a difference. In the text, we see that Jesus Christ, in order to become flesh, had to empty himself. He had to lay aside the glow of his godhood. He still was very God in the flesh. But he laid aside all of the glory of his godhood. And I'll illustrate why that had to happen. He took the ring of authority and laid it down. 
He took off his royal robes and laid them down. You see, Jesus, before he was created and conceived of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, he emptied himself of everything that would give away that he was very God. He came as a servant, born to a humble couple who never were rich, who never had more than enough money to buy the food for their family one day at a time. So he emptied himself. He laid aside his glory, his power, his status in the form of deity so that no one could see that he was God except by Holy Ghost revelation. And we see that in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Peter said, some people say that you are a prophet. Some people say that you are Elijah. And Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And he said, you are the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but the spirit has revealed that to you. Oh, you go back to that day. Whether you were raised in a Christian home or not, go back to that day. When your scales on your eyes fell off and you recognized that Jesus was indeed the son of God and he was the savior, it was a revelation of the spirit of God that persuaded you and me that he indeed is very Christ and he is God and he died for us. I assert to you, he emptied himself in obedience to God the father. By emptying himself to God the Father, he established, Jesus established the authority of the Father. To be obedient to the Father, we are required to humble ourselves. And that's the root of all of our problems the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It is a difficult thing for us to empty ourselves. Jesus emptied himself and his reward was that God gave him all glory and made him Lord you see, before Jesus came, he was God, but he was not Lord. It wasn't until he obeyed that he became Lord of all and was filled with all glory and God has highly exalted him. Just like Jesus had to empty himself and take the form of a servant before he could qualify to fulfill the will of the Father in order to save us from our sins. We see that that obedience to the will of God was originated in him fully, completely, and perfectly. And we here see that he further humbled himself to the obedience of death on the cross. You see, when we say we love Jesus, many times we misunderstand what loving Jesus is all about. 
Loving Jesus is not just coming to church and loving Jesus is not just, just saying, Lord, I believe in you, but loving Jesus equals obedience. Loving Jesus equals me emptying myself. The reason why we hold on to so much is because we feel like we will not be satisfied if we, if we give up everything. I hear people say every once in a while, what do you do for fun, preacher? It's not about fun. It's about obeying the Lord. And if I empty myself, just as in Jesus, God the Father will fill me up just like he filled Jesus up. The scriptures say, he that says he loves me but does not obey me, he is a liar. There have been times I've had to say, Lord, I don't love you like you want me to love you. I have been a disobedient servant. Cleanse me. And it's during those times, in order to get right, we have to empty ourselves out. I don't know anywhere we can do that except at an altar of prayer somewhere, whether it's in the car, whether it's in the house, whether it's in the bathroom, whether it's at these altars, someplace, sometime, we've got to find a place where we can come to God and empty ourselves out and say, take it all. It's not my will anymore, just like Jesus said in the garden, not my will, Lord, not my will. And he emptied himself out. Emptying oneself out is not done casually or callously. It's done with a determination. I want to serve you. I want to empty myself out to you. I am persuaded in this church today that every person in this place has something we need to still empty out to Jesus. Jesus said, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Jesus was only made Lord after he emptied himself. Making himself, making Jesus Lord was the reward of the Father. His deity what he, is what he has always been. He has always been God. But he was made Lord after he completed the whole thing of being emptied out. that at his knee every tongue should confess you are Lord one day all of us will be there it doesn't matter if I'm running from God doesn't matter if I've emptied out if I've finished the race finished the course God has for me Every one of us will kneel before him and we will say, you are Lord. Wouldn't it be so much better if we could do the emptying out now? Wouldn't it be so much better while we're walking in this flesh? While we're in this body through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
and our cooperation to let him flow through us and empower us. Empty ourselves out here and say, Lord, while I've been in this flesh, I have been able by your spirit to serve you. Hallelujah. He is Lord only because of what he's done. If he had failed in this emptying out process, if he had failed in this obedience to the perfect will of God, God the Father and God the Son would have been eternally separated. Sometimes people say there was no risk for Jesus to come. Oh, yes, there was. God put everything on the line for us. Isn't it time for us to put everything on the line for Jesus? Isn't it time for us to scream it out and say, Lord, take my dreams, take my aspirations, my whims, my desires. I want to serve you only. I want to follow you only. Jesus said to his disciples, that the Lord would give 10 times, 50 times, a hundredfold increase to those that follow him with all their heart. The disciples said to him, Lord, we have left all and followed you. And he said, you will also be filled up. I want you to think about this. Those disciples loved Jesus even unto death. All of them, including John the beloved who was boiled in oil. I think I'd rather die. What about you? Boiled in oil. He must have been scarred from the head to the foot. It was miraculous he could survive. But when we get to the new Jerusalem, Jesus will be in the middle of it, but guess how those disciples will be exalted why on, the, why, why on the foundations of the city, their names are inscribed on the very foundations. <laughs> you see, when we empty ourselves out, it is not for just nothing. When we empty ourselves out of our lusts, of our pride, it is for that eternal filling up that God is going to give us. Our text contains the revelation of God's plan to redeem man from the curse of sin. God created the angels. They made up their minds once and for all for eternity whom they would serve. A third of the angels made their mind up. They would rebel against God for all eternity. Two-thirds of the angels emptied themselves out to serve the Father for eternity. Then God created man. And man rebelled against God and sinned. And the Lord... The Godhead agreed that authority would be answered to the Father by the obedience of the Son. This explains why Christ was conceived in the womb of Mary. Throughout December, we're going to be examining 
that marvelous thing that was created in the womb of Mary. And Jesus came as a created man, as a babe. Instead of staying in the form of God with authority, Jesus came and accepted all of our limitations. He accepted all of the possibilities of sin through temptation. And if Jesus had been disobedient, the principles of authority and obedience would have been lost. And so would we. There was only one way that Jesus could have returned to the Father, and that's through obedience. And there's only one way I will make it to heaven, and that's through emptying out and being obedient to the Lord. Because when I'm obedient to the Lord, I am establishing his authority in my home. As the head of my home, the priest of my family, as you moms are emptying out to the Lord, you're establishing God as the authority in your home. That's why I tell a mother who, whose husband is not saved, you be sure you stay in the house of God. You come to every service that you can come to because it is you. Your husband's not saved. He's not in a place where he can establish God's authority in a place of obedience. But you can establish that, dear mother and grandmother, by being faithful to God and surrendering it all. I want to tell you, it is more convenient to stay home and not cause a fuss. I think I'm going to meddle. Just a minute. Hallelujah. Where did we put all the Kleenexes? I'm up here blowing snot and everything else, I'll tell you. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. How many of you feel the Holy Ghost in this place? <laughs> you are good, Lord. My grandmother got miraculous, miraculously saved at 19. In 1919, my grandmother was dying of the Asian flu in Philadelphia. It was in the middle of winter. They were stacking coffins up on the street corners because they could not, could not bury the dead because the ground was frozen. My grandmother contracted, flew. The priest, she was Catholic. The priest came in, gave her the last rites, told my granddad, who was a devil, by the way. My granddad was a real jerk. But he uh, told my granddad she's going to die. My grandmother heard those words. She turned her face to the wall. She was only 19. And she said, God... I've been a Catholic all my life, but I've never known you. I don't know you. My grandmother said that she heard the door open and heard gentle footsteps come in the room and a gentle voice spoke to her. Have John carry you across to the little Pentecostal lady across the alley. She'll tell you how you can know me. And ask her to pray for you to be healed and I'll heal both of you and her. 
my grandmother only weighed about 97 pounds at that point. Asked my grandfather to take her across the street. He said, oh, you can't go across the street. She says, take me across the street. He picked her up, carried her across the alley, knocked on the door, came in, set her in a chair beside this other little lady's bed and said, listen, Sue, Jesus told me that you would tell me how I could know God. And right there in that room, that little Sue won my grandmother to Jesus. And when they got done rejoicing, she said, that's not all. He, he said, if you'd pray for me, he'd heal us both. Sue didn't pray a 50-word prayer. An authority of what you said to Anna, I ask you, Jesus, to heal us. My grandmother says it felt like warm oil go all over her body. She got up, went home. The other lady got up. I don't know what Sue did, but my grandmother says I got up, came home, did clothes, and cooked peels and started cleaning the house. And, uh, yeah. And my grandmother went back over and says, Sue, where do you go to church? She says, I go to a little Pentecostal church down the street. And so they started going. My grandmother went there till the day she died. My dad was brought up in that church. My dad was commissioned and sent out from that church as an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God. My grandmother served God alone. My grandmother lived with my grandfather till the day she died. And my grandfather, once, once early on, he, he got a revolver and he says, you go to church one more time, I'm going to kill you. She said, you might as well do it now because I'm going to the house of God. Now, I want to tell you something. If you make up your mind to obey Jesus, it's going to cost you something. But I won't tell you, there is nothing it will cost you, but that Jesus won't fill you back up. She established that obedience to the authority of God is the greatest power that could ever be lived on the face of this earth. Not only did my dad got saved, but every last one of her children got saved through the years because of that testimony of emptying out. My grandmother went to church Sunday morning. She went to church Sunday night. And in those days, they had revivals. And I mean, it wasn't a revival. They'd go two, three, four weeks and they didn't take a night off. They'd go every single night. My grandmother said, I'm not missing a night because I don't want to miss what God is going to do. My grandfather, he, he didn't want to kill her because, you know, he stopped threatening her with life, but she came home one day and all the furniture in the house was burned up in the, in the fireplace except for the furniture in their bedroom. He wasn't an absolute idiot. <laughs> Another time she came home and every bit of clothes that she had on except for the clothes she wore to church, he had burned up in the furnace. My grandmother could have compromised. My grandmother could have backed off. Obeying the Lord. But she didn't. At 75, she died. My grandfather didn't get saved until he was in his 80s. 
He got saved after my grandmother died. She didn't see it in this life. But I'll tell you what, when John walked in the gates of glory, do you believe for one moment that she said, my cup is full and my cup is running over? Oh, yes, friends. Emptying out our lives in obedience to God is a glorious thing to do. I bless you, Lord. I glorify you, Lord. Magnify the Lord when we obey. I could go on and on about how emptying yourself out to Jesus really pays. I had an uncle who was a safe cracker in Philadelphia. He lived till he was 92 or three, spent 40 some years in prison for high targeting safes in Philadelphia. He had a method of operation that no one else practiced and so when they found a safe that was opened a particular way, they knew it was him. He got out of prison, got gloriously saved, went around preaching. He was an exceptional artist. He painted a picture of Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah. I don't think I've ever seen one quite like it. When John went to heaven, when my Uncle Harry, who went to prison, because he was a drug dealer. And they sent him home to die with his wife. He had divorced because she was a fanatical Christian. She emptied herself out to Jesus and refused to go back into that lifestyle that they were in. She won him to Jesus on his deathbed there in the house when no one else would take him. When Uncle Harry walked through the gates of heaven, when little Johnny walked through the gates of heaven, when my dad went through the gates of heaven, I know my grandmother was saying, I've been waiting just inside the gate. <laughs> Let Jesus fill you up, but he cannot do it. If we don't empty out, just like Jesus did. I'd like everyone in this building to stand with me, if you will. And would you come stand with me around this altar? I want us to point a finger in an area of our life. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Tell the Lord, I empty every lust of the eye out. I, love, I empty every lust of the flesh out. I empty out, Lord, to you because I want to be filled up only like you can fill up. Only Jesus can fill up what you need in your life. Not only now, but for all eternity. And not only for yourself, but for your children and for those that come after you. The grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. You know, when we stood at the coffin of my mother and stood at the coffin of my grandmother, 
we didn't brag on what a good cook she was. In that funeral, we didn't brag upon how much she loved the kids. You know what we bragged on? We said, she loved the Lord. Because loving the Lord means obeying the Lord and emptying it all out. Everyone in this room knows what we have to empty out to Jesus yet. Would you tell the Lord, I want to love you like you want me to love you. I want to establish the authority of God in my life and in my home and in my family. And that can only be done by emptying out to you. Would you slip your hands up all over this broom and just say, Jesus, I empty it out to you. <laughs> I empty it out to you, Lord. Just take my dreams, please, Lord. Take my dreams. Take my ambitions and my longings, Lord. Take my pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, Lord. Everything that I've held dear, Lord, I ask you, Lord, take it all. Take it all, Lord. I surrender it to you. I lay it down at the altar, Jesus. Take it all. I want to establish the authority of you, my Father. Father, we want to say not my will, but yours be done. Take it all, take it all. Oh, Jesus, we glorify you today. Take it all. Oh, Lord, we don't want to hold anything back. We want to surrender it all to Jesus. Now, I'm praying that through this week, you'll look back at this service and say this was a change in your life because you want to be filled up. You want to be filled up. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can fill up you. Your, whatever would make you happy. Listen, the Lord knows your desires. He knows what will make you happy. He knows what will complete you. And the devil knows what will destroy us. Is that right? The devil provides every kind of opportunity for us to lie to ourselves and say, that's what I need, that's what we need. But you and I know the voice of God. He speaks to us. <laughs> and this morning, would you just name it to the Lord? Just name it to the Lord. You don't have to say it out loud. Jesus, I empty myself of this. <laughs> I empty myself of that, Lord, because I cannot obey you if I don't. I can't fulfill my, your will in my life if I don't. And I want to follow you, Jesus, through obedience. I want to follow you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Today we have exalted the name of Jesus. Because he emptied himself out, there is no other name under heaven like his name. Say it with me several times. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Holy name. Beautiful name. Wonderful name. Precious name. Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. If we empty ourselves out, you will see that God will begin slowly to release that authority of the Father in your family and in your life. You see, the reason why all of my, my grandmother's children got saved was because she released the authority of God in her family by her obedience. It overwhelmed my grandfather's wickedness. She didn't get to see him get saved in this life. But her living for Jesus and surrendering, submitting it all to him, it released it to her family even while she was gone, after she was gone. You want to leave an inheritance to your children? Leave them that inheritance. It will do them more good than a million dollars. If any of you want to leave any of your children a million dollars, come talk to me. I'll show you a better place to leave it. How, not to me. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But not to me. Leave it to Jesus. Father, today I thank you for your people. I'd like everyone in this room to say this prayer with me right now. If you do not know Jesus and you want to surrender your heart to the Lord, if you're a backslider and you want to come back to the Lord, please pray this prayer. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Wash me. Make me white as snow. Set me free from everything, every sin, every habit, every bondage that would keep me from serving you. Help me to do away with every opportunity to sin and disobey you. Help me, guide me, empower me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.